0: different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement.
2: From seashores to mountain tops
0: and to the backsides of dry desert wasteland. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what he is like, and to let us know his plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God Himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now here's the host of a Bible Live, Sophie Dollar.
2: Each and every day, all along the way, we are making progress. We are making our way through the book. We're down into First and Second Samuel, these great works of history about the years of transition from the time of the Judges, which we had read before as well, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, from that period of time until the time of the Kings. Now Samuel is the key transition personality, that young man that was given to Hannah and Elkanah, this couple that could not have children. Remember Hannah praying intently and passionately, and God granting her a child. Young Samuel came along, given to the Lord in what is called a Nazarite vow. They promised as he became older that he would be in the service of God. And he went to serve at the tabernacle with Eli, the high priest, And that's how Samuel began his life in ministry. God spoke to him that first time. He didn't recognize God's voice and went to Eli instead. Three times he did that and then was told to say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's the way the book of Samuel began. Saul has come and gone. And Jonathan, principally over the last six or eight chapters at least, we have been following exclusively the young man named David anointed to be king of Israel in chapter 2 of Second Samuel, then had to wait 25 years for that anointing to come to fruition and to become reality. David is now on the throne of all the united tribes of Israel. We have seen the great sin that people tend to remember his life by. Although there were many conquests, there were many great victories, David seems to be remembered to a great extent because of that sin of adultery and murder of his military captain. We'll be picking up at Second Samuel chapter 15 tonight with the rebellion of David's son, Absalom. He rebels against his father and tries to bring about a military coup to take over the throne. Let's go to the Psalms for our wisdom and worship segment. Tonight, a complaint against conspiracies. That's what David is Psalm talking about. Psalm 64. Oh God, listen to my complaint. Do not let my enemy's threats overwhelm me. Protect me from the plots of the wicked, from the scheming of those who do evil. Sharp tongues are the swords they wield. Bitter words are the arrows they aim. They shoot from ambush at the innocent, attacking suddenly and fearlessly. They encourage each other to do evil and plan how to set their traps. Who will ever notice, they ask. As they plot their crimes, they say, We have devised the perfect plan. Yes, the human heart and mind are cunning, but God himself will shoot them down. Suddenly, his arrows will pierce them. Their own words will be turned against them, destroying them. All who see it happening will shake their heads in scorn. Then everyone will stand in awe, proclaiming the mighty acts of God, realizing all the amazing things he does. The godly will rejoice in the Lord and find shelter in him. And those who do what is right will praise Him. End of reading, Psalm 64.
0: You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar.
2: focus from that time of worship and praise that we find in Psalm 64 about God protecting us from slander, from those who attack us, from spiritual enemies. The enemy himself is called the accuser. Satan himself accuses us and falsely accuses us and ignores the fact that we belong to God. It's a wonderful, beautiful psalm, Psalm 64, in our Wisdom and Worship segment. Now David has a lot of ups and downs. He's anointed king, he killed Goliath, and then he had to flee from Saul for many years, living in caves and all kinds of adventures. Finally crowned as king over Judah and king over Israel. Now he's going into another downtime when he is being attacked by his own son. We'll see about that rebellion. Second Samuel fifteen seven through eighteen twenty three. After four years, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron to offer a sacrifice to the Lord in fulfillment of a vow I made to him. For while I was at Geshur, I promised to sacrifice to him in Hebron if he would bring me back to Jerusalem. All right, the king told him, Go and fulfill your vow. So Absalom went to Hebron. But while he was there, he sent secret messengers to every part of Israel to stir up a rebellion against the king. As soon as you hear the trumpets, his message read, you will know that Absalom has been crowned king in Hebron. He took 200 men from Jerusalem with him as guests, but they knew nothing of his intentions. While he was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, one of David's counselors who lived in Gilo. Soon many others also joined Absalom, and the conspiracy gained momentum. A messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell King David, All Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you. Then we must flee at once, or it will be too late, David urged his men. Hurry! If we get out of the city before he arrives, both we and the city of Jerusalem will be spared from disaster. We are with you, his advisors replied. Do what you think is best. So the king and his household set out at once. He left no one behind except ten of his concubines to keep the palace in order. The king and his people set out on foot, and they paused at the edge of the city to let David's troops move past to lead the way. There were six hundred Gittites who had come with David from Gath, along with the king's bodyguard. Then King David turned to Ittai, the captain of the Gittites, and asked, Why are you coming with us? Go on back with your men to King Absalom, for you are a guest in Israel, a foreigner in exile. You arrived only yesterday, and now should I force you to wander with us? I don't even know where we will go. Go on back and take your troops with you, and may the Lord show you his unfailing love and faithfulness. But Itai said to the king, I vow by the Lord and by your own life that I will go wherever you go, no matter what happens whether it means life or death. David replied, All right, come with us. So Atai and his 600 men and their families went along. There was deep sadness throughout the land as the king and his followers passed by. They crossed the Kidron Valley and then went out toward the wilderness.
1: This is The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
2: "'Abiathar and Zadok and the Levites took the Ark of the Covenant of God "'and set it down beside the road. "'Then they offered sacrifices there until everyone had passed. "'David instructed Zadok to take the Ark of God back into the city. "'If the Lord sees fit, David said, "'he will bring me back to see the Ark and the tabernacle again. "'But if he is through with me, then let him do what seems best to him.' "'Then the king told Zadok the priest, "'Look, here is my plan.' You and Abiathar should return quietly to the city with your son Ahimaaz and Abiathar's son Jonathan. I will stop at the shallows of the Jordan River and wait there for a message from you. Let me know what happens in Jerusalem before I disappear into the wilderness. So Zadok and Abiathar took the ark of God back to the city and stayed there. David walked up the road that led to the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered, and his feet were bare as a sign of mourning. And the people who were with him covered their heads and wept as they climbed the mountain. When someone told David that his advisor Ahithophel was now backing Absalom, David prayed, O Lord, let Ahithophel give Absalom foolish advice. As they reached the spot at the top of the Mount of Olives where people worshipped God, David found Hushai the Archite waiting for him. Hushai had torn his clothing and put dirt on his head as a sign of mourning. But David told him, If you go with me, you will only be a burden. Return to Jerusalem and tell Absalom, I will now be your advisor, just as I was your father's advisor in the past. Then you can frustrate and counter Ahithophel's advice. Zadok and Abiathar the priest are there. Tell them the plans that are being made to capture me, and they will send their sons Ahimaas and Jonathan to find me and tell me what is going on. So David's friend Hushai returned to Jerusalem, getting there just as Absalom arrived. Second Samuel 16 David was just past the top of the hill when Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, caught up with him. He was leading two donkeys loaded with two hundred loaves of bread, one hundred clusters of raisins, one hundred bunches of summer fruit, and a skin of wine. What are these for? the king asked Ziba. And Ziba replied, The donkeys are for your people to ride on, and the bread and summer fruit are for the young men to eat. The wine is to be taken with you into the wilderness for those who become faint. And where is Mephibosheth? The king asked him. He stayed in Jerusalem, Ziba replied. He said, Today I will get back the kingdom of my grandfather Saul. In that case, the king told Ziba, I give you everything Mephibosheth owns. Thank you, sir, Ziba replied. I will always do whatever you want me to do.
1: This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
2: As David and his party passed by Hurim, a man came out of the village cursing them. It was Shammai, son of Gera, a member of Saul's family. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded them. "'Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel!' he shouted at David. "'The Lord is paying you back for murdering Saul and his family. "'You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. "'At last you will taste some of your own medicine, you murderer!' "'Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king?' "'Abishai, son of Zeruriah, demanded. "'Let me go over and cut off his head.' "'No,' the king said. "'What am I going to do with you sons of Zeruriah?' If the Lord has told him to curse me, who am I to stop him? Then David said to Abishai and the other officers, My own son is trying to kill me. Shouldn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged and will bless me because of these curses. So David and his men continued on, and Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing as he went, and throwing stones at David, and tossing dust into the air. The king and all who were with him grew weary along the way, so they rested when they reached the Jordan River. Meanwhile, Absalom and his men arrived at Jerusalem, accompanied by Ahithophel. When David's friend Hushai the Archite arrived, he went immediately to see Absalom. Long live the king, he exclaimed. Long live the king! Is this the way you treat your friend David? Absalom asked him. Why aren't you with him? I am here because I work for the man who is chosen by the Lord and by Israel, Hushai replied. And anyway, why shouldn't I serve you? I helped your father, and now I will help you. Then Absalom turned to Ahithophel and asked him, What should I do next? Ahithophel told him, Go and sleep with your father's concubines, for he has left them here to keep the house. Then all Israel will know that you have insulted him beyond hope of reconciliation, and they will give you their support. So they set up a tent on the palace roof where everyone could see it, and Absalom went into the tent to sleep with his father's concubines. Absalom followed Ahithophel's advice, just as David had done. For every word Ahithophel spoke seemed as wise as though it had come directly from the mouth of God.
1: This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
2: 2 Samuel 17 Now Ahithophel urged Absalom, Let me choose 12,000 men to start out after David tonight. I will catch up to him while he is weary and discouraged. He and his troops will panic and everyone will run away. Then I will kill only the king, and I will bring all the people back to you as a bride returns to her husband. After all, it is only this man's life that you seek. Then all the people will remain unharmed and peaceful. This plan seemed good to Absalom and to all the other leaders of Israel. But then Absalom said, Bring in Hushai the Archite. Let's see what he thinks about this. When Hushai arrived, Absalom told him what Ahithophel had said. Then he asked, What is your opinion? Should we follow Ahithophel's advice? If not, speak up. Well, Hushai replied, this time I think Ahithophel has made a mistake. You know your father and his men. They are mighty warriors. Right now they are probably as enraged as a mother bear who has been robbed of her cubs. And remember that your father is an experienced soldier. He won't be spending the night among the troops. He has probably already hidden in some pit or cave. And when he comes out and attacks, and a few of your men fall, there will be panic among your troops, and everyone will start shouting that your men are being slaughtered. Then even the bravest of them, though they have the heart of a lion, will be paralyzed with fear. For all Israel knows what a mighty man your father is, and how courageous his warriors are. I suggest that you mobilize the entire army of Israel, bringing them from as far away as Dan and Beersheba, That way you will have an army as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And I think that you should personally lead the troops. When we find David, we can descend on him like the dew that falls to the ground, so that not one of his men is left alive. And if David has escaped into some city, you will have the entire army of Israel there at your command. Then we can take ropes and drag the walls of the city into the nearest valley until every stone is torn down." Then Absalom and all the leaders of Israel said, Hushai's advice is better than Ahithophel's. For the Lord had arranged to defeat the council of Ahithophel, which really was the better plan, so that he could bring disaster upon Absalom. Then Hushai reported to Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, what Ahithophel had said and what he himself had suggested instead. Quick, he told them, find David and urge him not to stay at the shallows of the Jordan River tonight. He must go across at once into the wilderness beyond. Otherwise, he will die and his entire army with him.
1: This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
2: Jonathan and Ahimaaz had been staying at Enrogel, so as not to be seen entering and leaving the city. Arrangements had been made for a servant girl to bring them the message they were to take to King David. But a boy saw them leaving Enrogel to go to David, and he told Absalom about it. Meanwhile, they escaped to Bahurim, where a man hid them inside a well in his courtyard. The man's wife put a cloth over the top of the well with grain on it to dry in the sun, so no one suspected they were there. When Absalom's men arrived, they asked her, Have you seen Ahimaaz and Jonathan? She replied, They were here, but they crossed the brook. Absalom's men looked for them without success and returned to Jerusalem. Then the two men crawled out of the well and hurried on to King David. Quick, they told him, cross the Jordan tonight. And they told him how Ahithophel had advised that he be captured and killed. So David and all the people with him went across the Jordan River during the night, and they were all on the other bank before dawn. Meanwhile, Ahithophel was publicly disgraced when Absalom refused his advice. So he saddled his donkey, went to his hometown, set his affairs in order, and hanged himself. He died there and was buried beside his father. David soon arrived at Mahanaim. By now, Absalom had mobilized the entire army of Israel and was leading his troops across the Jordan River. Absalom had appointed Amasa as commander of his army, replacing Joab, who had been commander under David. Amasa was Joab's cousin. His father was Jether, an Ishmaelite. His mother, Abigail, daughter of Nahash, was the sister of Joab's mother, Zeruiah. Absalom and the Israelite army set up camp in the land of Gilead. When David arrived at Mahanaim, he was warmly greeted by Shobi, son of Nahash of Rabbah, an Ammonite, and by Machir, son of Amiel of Lo-debar, and by Barzillai of Gilead from Rogelim. They brought sleeping mats, cooking pots, serving bowls, wheat and barley flour, roasted grain, beans, lentils, honey, butter, sheep, and cheese for David and those who were with him. For they said, You must all be very tired and hungry and thirsty after your long march through the wilderness.
1: This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
2: Second Samuel 18 David now appointed generals and captains to lead his troops. One-third were placed under Joab, one-third under Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zeruria, and one-third under Itai, the Gittite. The king told his troops, I am going out with you. But his men objected strongly You must not go out, they urged. If we have to turn and run, and even if half of us die, it will make no difference to Absalom's troops. They will be looking only for you. You are worth 10,000 of us, and it is better that you stay here in the city and send us help if we need it. If you think that's the best plan, I'll do it, the king finally agreed. So he stood at the gate of the city as all the divisions of troops passed by. And the king gave this command to Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, For my sake deal gently with young Absalom. And all the troops heard the king give this order to his commanders. So the battle began in the forest of Ephraim, and the Israelite troops were beaten back by David's men. There was a great slaughter, and twenty thousand men laid down their lives that day. The battle raged all across the countryside, and more men died because of the forest than were killed by the sword. During the battle, Absalom came unexpectedly upon some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule, but as he rode beneath the thick branches of a great oak, his head got caught. His mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. One of David's men saw what had happened and told Joab, "'I saw Absalom dangling in a tree.' "'What?' Joab demanded. "'You saw him there and didn't kill him? "'I would have rewarded you with ten pieces of silver and a hero's belt.' "'I wouldn't do it for a thousand pieces of silver,' the man replied. "'We all heard the king say to you, and Abishai and Itai, "'For my sake, please don't harm young Absalom. "'And if I had betrayed the king by killing his son, "'and the king would certainly find out who did it, "'you yourself would be the first to abandon me.'" "'Enough of this nonsense,' Joab said. "'Then he took three daggers and plunged them into Absalom's heart "'as he dangled from the oak, still alive.'" Ten of Joab's young armor-bearers then surrounded Absalom and killed him. Then Joab blew the trumpet, and his men returned from chasing the army of Israel. They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and piled a great heap of stones over it. And the army of Israel fled to their homes. During his lifetime, Absalom had built a monument to himself in the king's valley, for he had said, I have no son to carry on my name. He named the monument after himself, and it is known as Absalom's monument to this day. Then Zadok's son Ahimaaz said, Let me run to the king with the good news that the Lord has saved him from his enemy Absalom. No, Joab told him. It wouldn't be good news to the king that his son is dead. You can be my messenger some other time, but not today. Then Joab said to a man from Cush, Go tell the king what you have seen. The man bowed and ran off. But Ahimaaz continued to plead with Joab. Whatever happens, please let me go too. Why should you go, my son, Joab replied. There will be no reward for you. Yes, but let me go anyway, he begged. Joab finally said, All right, go ahead. Then Ahimaaz took a shortcut across the plain of the Jordan and got to Mahanaim ahead of the man from Cush. End of reading 2 Samuel 15:7 through 18:23. My You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. There's a lot of interplay, a lot of forces at work here. Highly personal because we know David. We know about his problems. We know about his past. We know about his dealings with God and God's promise that he would have great problems in his family. And, of course, he has. It has been a tremendous pressure upon him, the competition between his children for the throne so actively pursuing power. Absalom here has been involved before with killing his half-brother Amnon for raping his sister Tamar. Lots of ups and downs. Crowned king over all of Israel, recipient of a very special covenant from God himself that Israel would have peace, that he would be able to help contribute to the building of a temple. Then he committed adultery and murder in that tremendous valley into which he fell. And then Solomon was born. Absalom rebelled. What was the dynamic here? Absalom, on the one hand, must have been very ambitious. After Absalom killed his half-brother Amnon, he fled to Geshur, where his mother was the queen there. So a part of these problems come from David's having all of these wives. That was not right, and it would be a problem, and it has been a problem to him. He lived three years with his maternal grandmother, Talmai, son of Mahud, the king of Geshur, That's in chapter 13. Absalom is very, very charismatic, very handsome. Even in our culture today, a lot of people make their decision about who they will vote for. Something so crucial and vital as that, based entirely on looks. Well, Absalom had that made. He was evidently very handsome, big fellow, beautiful family. Everything about him is perfect. And he used that to the max. He intentionally undermined the authority of his king, David. He lived and died, it seems, by his hair. One of the things that was so attractive about him was that he had five pounds, five pounds of hair back in chapter 14. He had taken a Nazarite vow, it seems, and he never cut his hair but once a year, and then he gave the weight of his hair, and then he dies by that very same hair, gets caught in the tree, and then Joab, good old Joab, our brutal Joab comes through and kills the king's son, So much intrigue, use of spies and information uh, in the background in this coup attempt against King David. What in the world can we learn from a governmental military coup attempt? Absalom trying to take over the throne of his father. Well, there's lots of lessons. There's a lot of personal lessons. Absalom broke so many commands about honoring his father his mother, about honoring the anointed king. Unlike his father, he's not willing to wait on God's hand, on God to move. And I guess more than a little of hypocrisy in here, a lot of deception involved. I don't know if you would say that Absalom got what was coming to him. Joab was true to form. Joab, Joab he seems to be the only one who just remains consistent, consistently bad and cruel throughout the story. See you next time.
0: The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, biblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.